click drive time keeping you informed and inspired we love god we ought to be able to talk about him getting you started on your day with the latest in breaking news and information from the vatican to the white house and everything in between it's serious it's fun it's your catholic drive time now here's your host joe mcclain praise be to jesus christ welcome back to catholic drive time keeping you informed and inspired i'm your host joe mcclain so good to be on with you praise be to god good morning you have survived the week. Congratulations. It is Friday. You are merely hours away from your weekend. Hopefully we'll be restful and exciting. I don't know what's on your agenda for this weekend, but hopefully whatever it is is going to be very blessed. We're going to have a great show for you today. It's Friday, so we uh, tend to get a little bit more casual on the uh, show on Fridays. And today we have a guest on who has walked more than 10,000 miles to Jerusalem and back. And then he walked across uh, the Alps. I mean, he's walked like literally thousands and thousands and thousands of kilometers, miles. And he's a priest from Austria. And he is a hermit in the Italian Alps. And we're going to have a conversation with Father Johannes Maria Schwartz this uh, this morning at 35 past the hour. So it's going to be very cool and very inspirational. So look forward to that. And then in the 15 past the hour, what's concerning us segment, I want to talk a little bit about the abuse uh, report coming out of Munich, Germany, that uh, incorporates Benedict XVI. There is, uh, the Vatican has come out and trying to defend Benedict's record. Uh, Benedict himself uh, sent like 82 pages re- in a response to the investigators about his involvement as the Archbishop of Munich at the time. So we're going to talk a little bit about that coming up at 15 past the hour. Also, I learned, you know, the ice road trucker protest in Canada... Okay, they don't they don't actually call it that, but there are there's like fifty thousand truckers that are protesting the mandates up there because it's literally insane. If they try to cross the border, they get put into a fourteen day lockdown. I mean, good luck trying to deliver on time all of the goods you love in Canada, right? Uh, so forty four mile long convoy is headed to the capital of Canada. Forty four mile long convoy. Let that's that's just insane, but uh, that's going on as well. So. A lot of news we're going to be catching up in this hour. Hopefully you can join us for all or part of that. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Have you ever walked on pilgrimage to anywhere? Uh, no, I haven't actually. Have you ever wanted to? I would love to. Um, Where would you go? I, th- I think I would probably go to the, uh, I believe it's the, um, what's the one in Spain? The, via, the Santiago? Santiago, exactly. Yeah. I would do it barefoot. You would? Mm-hmm. Which do, which do you know, like there's multiple routes you could take. There's the Pyrenees and then there's the Portuguese route. Do you have a preference there? Probably the Portuguese route. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that would be nice. Barefoot. Yeah. Do you think you could pull that off? I used to be a barefoot runner. Really? Mm-hmm. My dad did that in high yeah. school. That's yeah. pretty impressive. Wow. Yeah. I don't think I could ever make it in barefoot. I think I'd barely make it with boots on, to be honest with you. Uh, speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Have you ever made a, a walk pilgrimage anywhere? A walk pilgrimage anywhere? Uh, sure. Yeah, I've done uh, local ones that where I've walked. It's only been like a couple miles uh, down a path. And I'm going to be doing one tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow, Saturday. I'll be doing one tomorrow as well. So a couple, but nothing like uh, like the Camino. I'd love to do the Camino one day. How about but, walk to Jerusalem? Uh, nah. You, you wouldn't do that? Nah. <laughs> it sounds epic to me. Nah, he walked through. Sounds he walked through Russia. He walked through uh, Iran and Turkey and 
and all these other countries uh, just to get to maybe if there were like hospitalers joining us on the journey (laughs) to protect you exactly (laughs) but i'm pretty sure pretty sure i'd be a high target for um not being martyred but dad i don't know he made it and he's a you know he's a caucasian gentleman from from austria so I don't know. I think it may be possible. But at any rate, pretty epic. And uh, looking forward to that conversation. Coming up at uh, 35 past with Father Johannes Maria Schwarz. Hey, by the way, don't forget to get your car raffle tickets. The 2022 uh, Mercedes uh, GLA 250 is going to be given away in the end at the end of February. It could be yours. It's only $25 a ticket. You can get an extra ticket if you do the $100 deal. So it's a pretty good deal. We get to use the proceeds to support Catholic Radio, and uh, we'd be grateful for your support. You could win a cool car, and we get to keep Catholic Radio alive and well. Go to grnonline.com for the details. Again, that's grnonline.com. Let's jump in. Let's pray. Let's get our hour started, and uh, pretty soon, before you know it, you'll be on your weekend. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. I'm Rudy Carlos, and let's dive right into the headline news this morning. The Epic Times reports Pfizer moves to intervene in high-profile case dealing with COVID-19 vaccine safety data. Pfizer has asked a federal court to let it intervene in a high-profile case that's seen U.S. drug regulators try and slow-walk disclosure of data on Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine. Pfizer was not aware of the case until executives read news reports about it last month and now wants to help the FDA staffers review the documents in question to ensure proper redactions are made according to a new filing. Plaintiffs are concerned that Pfizer's involvement will lead to the FDA renewing efforts to delay production of the vaccine safety data. Regulators granted emergency use authorization of Pfizer's vaccine in December 2020, alleging at the same time that it was highly effective in preventing infection and severe disease. The vaccine has been proven to provide little protection against infection and its effectiveness against severe illness has dropped. Some side effects linked to the vaccine, meanwhile, were detected post-authorization, including heart inflammation and severe allergic reactions. And Breitbart News reports Joe Biden calls Vladimir Zelensky after having made alarming comments about Ukraine and Russia. President Joe Biden spoke with President Vladimir Zelensky of Ukraine on Thursday to discuss their ongoing tensions with Russia. According to a White House readout of the call, Biden said the United States and its allies would respond if Russia further invaded Ukrainian territory and would continue to look for ways to assist the country. Biden said the evacuation of family members of American diplomatic personnel should not be seen as a sign that the United States was not committed to safety and security of Ukraine. Ukrainians were surprised by Biden's comments that it was likely that Putin would invade their country. My guess is he will move in. He has to do something, Biden said about Putin last week at a press conference, suggesting the U.S. and NATO might not respond as forcefully to a minor incursion. The president's comments were immediately clarified by the White House, but they raised questions about his commitment to blocking Russia from invading. Biden and Zelensky have a complicated relationship, as Biden ignored the Ukrainian pleas for the U.S. president to impose sanctions on Russia before Russian President Vladimir Putin invades. 
Biden also lifted sanctions on Putin's Nord Stream 2 natural gas pipeline, which Zelensky admitted made him unpleasantly surprised. The pipeline would bypass Ukraine to provide energy to Europe, giving Putin more economic leverage. And the Washington Examiner reports Republicans pressed Biden to explain how synagogue terrorists was let into the country. Both Texas Senators and Senate Judiciary Committee Republicans are pressing the Biden administration to explain how the British terrorist who took four people hostage inside a Texas synagogue this month was allowed to enter the country, given major red flags in his background. Republican Senators John Cornyn and Ted Cruz, along with nine other party members on the committee, asked Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, State Secretary Anthony Blinken, and FBI Director, Director Christopher Wray in two letters to explain why Malik Faisal Akram was not listed on the U.S. terrorist watch list or barred from admission from another reason. Given claims that he had a criminal record and had been investigated by British authorities for ties to an Islamic terrorist group. And Reuters reports dearth of chips drives UK car production to lowest since 1956. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Thomas Aquinas. Wow, praise be to God. He, he, gets, uh, he gets two, by the way. Uh, by universal consent, Thomas Aquinas is the preeminent spokesman of the Catholic tradition of reason, of divine revelation. And he is one of the great teachers of the medieval Catholic Church, honored with the titles of Doctor of the Church and Angelic Doctor, among other titles. At five, he was given to the Benedictine Monastery at Monte Cassino, and his parents hoped that he would choose that way of life and eventually become abbot. Very prestigious position. In 1239, he was sent to Naples to complete his studies. It was there that he was first attracted to Aristotelian philosophy. By 1243, Thomas abandoned his family's plans for him and joined the Dominican friars, much to his mother's dismay. On order, Thomas was captured by his brothers and kept at home for over a year. Once free, he went to Paris and then to Cologne, where he finished his studies with Albert the Great. He held two professorships at Paris, lived at the court of Pope Urban IV, directed the Dominican schools at Rome and Viterbo, combated adversaries of the, of the Dominicans, as well as Averroists, and argued with some Franciscans about Aristotelianism. His greatest contribution to the Catholic Church is his writings, the unity, harmony, and cont continuity of faith and reason of revealed in natural human knowledge pervades his writing. One might expect Thomas, as a man of the gospel, to be an ardent defender of revealed truth, but he was broad enough, deep enough to see the whole natural order as coming from God the Creator and see reason as a divine gift to be highly cherished. The Summa Theologiae, his last and unfortunately uncompleted work, deals with the whole of Catholic theology. He stopped work on it after celebrating Mass on December 6, 1273. When asked why he stopped writing, he replied, I cannot go on. All that I have written seems to me like so much straw compared to what I have seen and what has been revealed to me. He died on March 7, 1274, which we might bring him back up on March 7, 2022. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 23, verses 8 through 12. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brethren. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called masters, for you have one master, the Christ, he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. 
Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Remigius said, Which means that everyone who thinks highly of his own deserts shall be humbled before God, and everyone who humbles himself concerning his good deeds shall be exalted with God. You know, this is that famous call no man father passage that every Protestant, every anti-Catholic likes to bring out in the conversations. Well, you Catholics call your priest father, but the Bible says in Matthew 23, call no man father. You know, uh, we, they, they tend to give a pass to rabbi. You know, they tend to not have problems with us calling our teachers teachers. They don't have problems with, uh, you know, journeymen calling their masters masters, those kinds of things. But uh, boy, do they focus on that father part, don't they? Now, what's interesting about this is uh, when I used to do apologetics almost all the time, um, there's so many examples in sacred scripture that you could go to to point out that Jesus does not actually literally mean you're never allowed to call your own father, father, for instance. I mean, St. Stephen, you know, speaks of the fathers before he's martyred, and that's not even all that long after Jesus' crucifixion. So go on to, how about uh, John, First John chapter 2? He says, quote, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, babes, because you have known the Father. I write unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, nor the things which are in the world. If any man love the world, the charity of the Father is not in him." See how the use of father is used there? How about St. Paul's use of father in 1 Corinthians or Philomen or other places? In Hebrews, for instance. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. Would St. Paul not have known about this prohibition of using the word father for himself because he calls himself father? Um, It's a fascinating thing when you dive into sacred scripture and you realize that if you read it just from the surface, you're never going to get the whole story. You have to dive deeper than that. You have to get the context. What is the intent of the author? What are they trying to communicate? And how does that fit into the grand picture of sacred scripture? Because, you know, it all fits together. And there is a a unity here. And I want to share more of that in the next hour. Haydock's commentary on the unity of this passage and what it indicates for all of us, I think is very important. So today we have but one father in heaven. And those fathers on earth that would lead us to that one father deserve the title. And those that don't, do not deserve it. Amen? We'll be right back. What's concerning us is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. Share us with a friend. So you're driving to work while listening to Catholic Drive Time. But you're not just driving any car. You're driving a midnight black 2022 GLA 250. Make 2022 your year by supporting the GRN and possibly winning a GLA 250 by going to grnonline.com and buying five tickets for $100 or $25 for one. Raffle ends February 21st and you must be 18 or older to participate. Some Protestants use 1 Timothy 4, 1-3 against the Catholic practice of consecrated celibacy and Lenten observances because Paul calls the forbidding of marriage and the consumption of meat doctrines of demons. Do Catholics need to be exercised? No. And here are some reasons why. 
First, Paul can't be condemning consecrated celibacy because in the next chapter he gives Timothy instructions on proper implementation of consecrated celibacy with regard to enrolled widows. Also, Paul can't be condemning all forms of abstinence from meats since he was part of the decision at the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15 that decreed Gentile Christians abstain from meats offered to idols. What Paul was condemning is the Gnostic belief that nobody should marry and that one should always abstain from meats because matter is evil. So, fear not, Catholics, you have no need for an exorcism. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Father Johannes Maria Schwartz is going to be our guest. He is a hermit living in the Italian Alps. He uh, built his own beautiful chapel there, by the way, um, with uh, icons and everything. It's quite lovely. We're going to ask him about how he did that, why he's living there, why did he walk to Jerusalem and back, and on all these other pilgrimages is... And uh, what is his ministry? What is his apostle? We're going to talk to him coming up at 35 past the hour. There are, as I say, several stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure to some of you as well. And then, of course, uh, this past week, we saw reports coming out to sort of suggest that Pope Benedict XVI, as bishop in Munich, uh, had a role in covering up a priest or taking a priest who had a known reputation for abuse and putting him back into ministry. And so the Vatican has come out now. And defended Benedict somewhat. This is an article out of CBC, which is an article, which is a, a news outlet out of Canada. And the headline goes, Vatican defends former Pope Benedict after German report faults abuse record. Article goes, Holy See's editorial director says Benedict was first pope to meet victims of abuse. The Vatican on Wednesday strongly defended the former Pope Benedict XVI's record in fighting clergy sexual abuse and cautioned against looking for, quote, easy scapegoats and summary judgments, unquote, after an independent report faulted his handling of four cases of abuse when he was Archbishop of Munich. The Holy See's editorial director, uh, Andrea Tornelli, provided the Vatican's first substantial response to the report in an editorial that appeared in the Vatican newspaper, La Observatore Romano, and its media uh, portal, Vatican News. In it, Tornelli recalled that Benedict was the first pope to meet with victims of abuse, that he had issued strong norms to punish priests who raped children and had directed the church to pursue a path of humility in seeking forgiveness for these crimes of its clerics. Quote, all this can neither be forgotten nor erased, close quote, Tornelli wrote. A German law firm released a lengthy report last week that had been commissioned by the German church to look into how cases of sexual abuse were handled in the archdiocese between 1945 and 2019. Benedict, the former Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, headed the archdiocese from 77 to 82, and when he was named to the head of Vatican's Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith. The report's authors faulted Ratzinger's handling of four cases during his time as archbishop. And he and also faulted his predecessor and successors for their own misconduct in allowing predator priests to remain in ministry. Though his secretary, uh, the 94-year-old, through his secretary, the 94-year-old Benedict, has said he would respond to the findings in due time. 
He has already acknowledged an editorial error in his own submission to the researchers about a 1980 meeting in which a pedophile priest transfer to Munich was discussed. Benedict acknowledged this week that he indeed attended the meeting, but denied that his return to pastoral work was discussed at that time. The priest later received a suspended sentence for molesting a boy. Tornelli didn't comment on the details of that case or any other, through, though he lamented that so much attention had predictably been paid in the media to Benedict's four-year term as archbishop. He focused instead on Benedict's tenure as prefect of the prefect of the doctrine of office from 82 to 2005, and then as Pope from 05 to 13 when he retired. While he was prefect of the doctrine office, Ratzinger, in 2001, directed all cases of clergy sex abuse to be sent to his office for processing after he saw that bishops around the world were moving these priests, these rapist priests, from parish to parish rather than punishing them under the church's in-house canon law. During the final two years of his pontificate, Benedict defrocked nearly 400 priests for abuse. Tornelli noted that victims were often treated as enemies of the church and that Ratzinger helped to change that mentality by listening to victims and asking their forgiveness, even against the wishes of conservatives who considered media uh, reports of abuse and attack on the church. Quote, it was Benedict XVI, even against the opinion of many self-styled Ratzingers who upheld in the midst of the storm of scandals in Ireland and Germany, the face of penitential church, which humbles itself in asking for forgiveness, which feels dismay, remorse, pain, compassion, and closeness, he wrote. Tornelli noted that the Munich report was not a judicial sentence and, it, and said it will only help combat the problem if the information is not reduced to the search for easy scapegoats and summary judgments. The current Archbishop of Munich, Cardinal Reinhard Marx, is due to hold a news conference uh, I guess Thursday, to discuss the report findings. Tornelli didn't cite any specific cases, but Benedict is widely cr uh, credited with having finally brought the Catholic Church's most notorious serial sexual predator, the Reverend Marcel Maciel, to justice after Pope John Paul II and his allies refused for years to move on credible reports that he found uh, the, that the founder of the Legionaries of Christ had raped seminarians, as well as his own children, by the way. This, uh, this article, again, can be found at cbc.ca. There's also another article that analyzes this story out of Catholic culture. And essentially, it's, it's, there's not a whole lot of difference between the two, um, uh, these two articles. But the real deal is, I think one of the themes that comes out of reading the stories about Benedict's involvement this, uh, in this case is there's been a change I think in his in his mind in his heart. If I had to, if I had to guess, pure speculation on my part. But the Benedict, the young Benedict, who was say Bishop of Munich, is not the same Benedict as the guy who became Pope in 05. I think much had changed in his life and his heart and his mind about this, because the order of the day, unfortunately, sadly, scandalously, was that these bishops would just move them around, keep moving. They didn't want to air dirty laundry publicly. They wanted to keep everything quiet and everything on the down low. I know when that happened in Boston, when that came out under cardinal law, we were utterly scandalized by the reality, the depth, the de deprivation of all of it. And, uh, and 
I found some hope in Benedict XVI when he was pope uh, because of what that article mentioned about 400 priests being defrocked. Now, here's the thing, though, like with Father Maciel. Um, this guy was a known, uh, a known pervert. But because he funneled, uh, he was like the McCarrick of his time, right? You know, we all know that Mr. McCarrick, defrocked cardinal of the church, now facing trial for his crimes, um, Maciel was kind of like that. He had children. He was a priest, a founder of the Legionaries of Christ. He had, his, he had children that he would molest as well as the seminarians. And he would take loads of cash wherever he went and he would pay people off. It's a scandal beyond scandal. And Benedict knew it. And uh, JP2 decided not to, to, uh, to engage, not to listen to the stories and the rumors about Maciel. He just ignored it. And Benedict, one of his, his very first actions as Pope was to suppress Maciel. He was dying anyway by that point. But so... I believe Benedict wanted to take drastic and serious action when it came to the sex abuse cases within the church. He actually put much in place to prosecute, to try these cases. And unfortunately, when he left the pontificate, a lot changed in that regard as well. So it's a complicated matter um, between the young Benedict in Munich and the older Benedict in Rome. And it's not so straightforward. It ain't black and white. And there's culpability there for sure. So I say let truth shine into the darkness to vanquish it. Because we can't, we, there's nothing to fear from truth. You know, sin, if we live in our sin, if we live within our, our, uh, our darkness, well, then we're always living in fear. But if we err on the side of truth, truth being a person, Jesus Christ, we have nothing to fear. As St. Paul would say in Romans if God is on our side, who can be against us? And we must face these difficulties, these complexities, these scandals head on with truth itself and not placate to them, not pretend. Look at the state of Germany today. We read a report yesterday that over 120 priests, homosexual priests, are coming out demanding the church accept them and their lifestyle and their disordered uh, uh, actions as though they aren't disordered. They want to change truth itself. This is an affront to the church, to Holy Mother Church, and her mission to save these children, these wayward children, these lost sheep. Germany is in a bad way. Let's pray for, Holy, for uh, the church in Germany, Holy Mother Church there. Let's pray for the faithful there that are confused, that are scandalized, and that are wayward, that they will be won back for the glory of God and for their own salvation. There is much to pray for. There is another uh, story that uh, came out, and I had it on the back burner, and I didn't get to it. LifeSite News reporting, uh, prenatal tests, which often lead to abortion, found to be up to 85% inaccurate. Prenatal tests, I'm going to read this again because I think it's important. Prenatal tests, which often lead to abortion, found to be up to 85% inaccurate. How many moms have gone to the doctor, pregnant, excited, took one of these tests, were told that their child has got some, you know, some problem, some serious life-altering problem. You don't want to deal with a child like that. Oh, no, you should have an abortion. How many of these moms, these moms and dads were pressured into it, went through and got an abortion? And it turns out that up to 85% of those tests were inaccurate. This is a scandal, in my opinion, a big one. A little bit of the article 
A genetic testing company is being investigated as it was scrutinized in the New York Times article demonstrating that prenatal tests for a set of rare genetic disorders yield about 85% false positives. Following the report, uh, the test maker Natera's stock dropped as much as 3.5%. Wow, that's all? Good grief. Thereby injuring investors, according to Frank R. Cruz's legal practice, which announced shortly afterwards that it was investigating Natera on behalf of investors concerning possible violations of federal securities laws. The Securities Act of 1933 is designed in large part to prohibit deceit, misrepresentations, and other fraud in the sale of securities. On January 1, along with general report of uh, an, uh, an astronomically high false positives for genetic uh, disorders, the New York Times also indicated that a study from Natera suggested that there were three times as many false positives as actual detected cases. This is, this is really scandalous. The average rate of 85% false positives of these genetic disorders was the outcome of a combination of studies from several different diagnostic labs, as well as several studies involving Natera, its investors, and its consultants. Natera's false positives has, have potentially had massive impact. According to the company, it performed more than 400,000 screenings, the equivalent of testing roughly 10% of pregnant women in America. I wonder out of that number how many of those moms felt pressured, and decided to get an abortion. What a tragedy we live in. What a tragedy in the age where bloodlust is so high. I think of the Aztecs, and I, <laughs> and they don't hold a candle to the bloodlust that we have in this modern culture of ours. Millions of children offered up on the altar. Let's pray. Let's pray for the conversion of sinners everywhere. That is God's heart, and that should be ours too. We'll be right back. Our family has spanned the centuries and the globe. With God's grace, we started hospitals to care for the sick. We established orphanages and helped the poor. We are the largest charitable organization on the planet, bringing comfort to those in need. We educate more children than any other institution. We developed the scientific method and founded the college system. We defend the dignity of human life and uphold marriage. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are transformed by sacred scripture and sacred tradition, which have guided us for 2,000 years. We are the Catholic Church, with over one billion in our family, sharing in the sacraments and fullness of the Christian faith. Jesus started our church when he said to Peter, the first pope, you are rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. So if you've been away from the Catholic Church, we invite you to take another look Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. We are Catholic. Welcome home. You could win a 2022 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250 and help drive home the Word of God. The GRN is raffling off this night black compact SUV with the luxury and performance you expect from Mercedes-Benz to support the mission of Catholic Radio. This car could be yours for only $25. Buy four tickets, you get one free. The 2022 GRN car raffle ends February 21st, so get your tickets today at grnonline.com slash raffle. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and now more headlines. 
The Blaze reports teen who sexually assaulted girl at Luden High School bathroom won't have to register as a sex offender after judge reconsiders. The teenager who sexually assaulted the girl, the girl in a high school bathroom in Luden County, Virginia, won't have to register as a sex offender after a judge reconsidered the sentence. The unnamed 15-year-old has been sentenced earlier in June, in January, excuse me, to supervised probation in a residential treatment facility until he turned 18 years old. He was also sentenced to register as a sex offender. On Thursday, Judge Pamela Brooks said she made a mistake and lessened the sentence. The 15-year-old was convicted of two acts of sodomy and was at the center of a national uproar after the father of one of the victims was cited in support of federal law enforcement's focus on parents protesting against school boards nationwide. Jason Bickmore, the probation officer for the teenager, argued that forcing him to register as a sex offender would be counterproductive to rehabilitating him of his criminal conduct. He said that studies showed that teenage sex offenders who registered were more likely to reoffend. And the Blaze reports, as massive truck convoy against vax mandates approaches, Canadian PM Trudeau goes into self-isolation due to COVID exposure. A massive convoy of an estimated 35,000 to 50,000 truckers protesting against vaccine mandates is currently making its way across Canada, with cheering crowds lining the streets and filling up overpasses along the way. According to the Toronto Sun, the Freedom Convoy, which kicked off in British Columbia and plans to arrive in the Canadian capital of Ottawa by Saturday, may be the longest truck convoy ever recorded. In response to this, radio host Kim Iverson said, What's interesting about this convoy is it's getting hardly any coverage at all inside of Canada or really anywhere. It's a near-media blackout, which oddly seems to be the same thing happening in Europe and even here in the United States in regards to all the other protests, she said. On Thursday, Trudeau announced in a tweet that he will be isolating for five days after learning that he was exposed to someone who had tested positive for COVID-19. Though his rapid test came back negative, Ottawa health rules apparently require the Prime Minister to be in isolation throughout the weekend, when the trucker convoy is scheduled to arrive in Ottawa. And LifeSite News reports Florida Bishop forbids priests to celebrate Mass facing the tabernacle. The Bishop of Venice, Florida, this week prohibited priests from saying Holy Mass ad orientum as opposed to facing the people contradicting Vatican documents on liturgical posture. In a letter to priests on Tuesday, Bishop Frank DeWayne wrote that Mass may not be celebrated ad orientum facing the East or facing the tabernacle or apse without his permission. The move follows a similar policy announced last month by Cardinal Blaise Supich of Chicago. Ad Orientum was the common orientation for celebrating Mass for at least 1,500 years until the 1970s. Leading prelates, including Pope Benedict XVI, have endorsed the posture as a more reverent option in recent years and noted that the Church has never restricted it. In April, in an April 20, uh, an April 2000 letter, rather, explaining the general instruction, the Vatican's Congregation for Divine Worship and Discipline of the Sacraments confirmed that ad orientum worship is not forbidden and that the mass rubrics express no preference for the priest to face the people or the apse. Holy Mass may be celebrated versus populum or versus absidium, according to the letter, signed by Prefect Cardinal Jorge Medina and Secretary Archbishop Francesco Pio Tamburino. Both positions are in accord with liturgical law. Both are to be considered correct. And those are your headlines this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us right now via Zoom, all the way from the Italian Alps, is Father Johannes Maria Schwartz, a hermit, a Catholic priest, and uh, and uh, I guess an expert pilgrimage walker. Good morning to you, Father. Good morning to everyone. Uh, here from uh, post-lunch Italy. 
post-lunch Italy. Praise be to God. I discovered you uh, somewhat by accident, thanks to YouTube. Uh, scrolling through, I found uh, I found a, uh, someone, a, a lady, and I guess her family came to visit you at your pilgrimage, at your hermit site, and and sort of got the the story of what you were doing there and how it all worked. And then and I also found your neighbor as well, I, the, another guy on the other side of the, the peak who rode a bike across the planet. So I guess that mountain attracts people who like to uh, travel long distances and live uh, in isolation somewhat. I found that very fascinating. And then to discover that you had walked to Jerusalem and back and across the Alps and, and many other places, uh, it was really fascinating. So we're grateful for your time today. Let's start with uh, a little bit of uh, who you are, your background, uh, Catholic priest, diocesan. What is your status? Yeah, I'm a, a diocesan priest from the Archdiocese of Vaduz, which is, uh, Vaduz is the capital of the tiny principality of Liechtenstein, which is a country. It has a prince and a castle and everything. Um, it's nestled in the Alps between Austria and Switzerland. So that's uh, the diocese to which I belong. I served there as a parish priest for nine years. Then there was a young priest. We, we are fortunate. We have a very good bishop. We have a lot of young priests. And so there was a young priest who was happy to take my place after nine years. He had already served as a deacon in, in this beautiful parish in the mountains. And uh, that gave me the possibility to, to explore other things. I took a sabbatical first to see how things would work. We have two priests in almost every parish there. Wow. So it's, it's a rather yeah, uh, bountiful uh, kind of uh, situation, even though itself the country suffers from the secularism uh, mm. or, yeah, and, and everything else that the Western world suffers from. Liechtenstein, a very rich country, suffers more from it maybe. Uh, but there are traditions. There, there's the Catholic faith, in theory, is, is, is sort of rooted in, in that country. But so I, I served there for nine years, then I took a sabbatical to have that priest, that younger priest, first find his bearings in the parish if things would work out. And um, I, said to bishop, I said to the bishop, I would come back if, if things are difficult. Uh, but everything, of course, worked out as, as expected. And that allowed me then after my pilgrimage to Jerusalem uh, to serve as a, as a vicar, uh, as, uh, as a, how do you say, vice, uh, uh, sure. vice rector of a seminary for two years. But I'm not really, and I went there in obedience. I'm not really the the authority. The a position of authority is not really uh, my strong suit. Let's <laughs> let's put it that way. A leadership is is. I come from a creative background, and so already during my time in the parish, I did things like the three minute catechism that some people know from EWTN, uh, both in Germany and in the US, and it exists in I think 22 languages now, 70 episodes. Wow. Uh, cartoon explanations of the of Catholic faith. And, and so I asked my bishop after these two years that I did in obedience, if I could maybe work again and, and work more on, on creative projects uh, together with, with teaching uh, that I do for, for a religious house of studies, uh, theology formation. I do fundamental theology there. So that, that, that is basically why I ended up in the Alps. I was looking for a quiet place to work on these projects, read books, to come up with ways to explain the catholic faith i did a, a series on islam and and i i went across the alps uh, on a pilgrimage again because I, I thought it would be a nice way to tell the stories of all the shrines and holy places more than 200 i visited along the way and and you you have these testaments of faith that do express the faith and that do in in a certain sense um, embody 
what we believe, um, the manifestations of the faith. So you might have a statue of Our Lady and, and the child Jesus in her arms has a, a particular bird on his finger, and it's not a dove, uh, as, as biblically you might be inclined to think. And many people who both, uh, who, 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 who uh, had votive images painted, in fact, the painters mistook the bird and, and painted doves. But it's, <laughs> it's a different kind of bird that is connected with the passion as a, go a gothic motif. And so I used these shrines and, and what they show us to um, try to illuminate different aspects of our faith and, and, and what we believe and what we hold. So, so that's basically what I do. I, uh, I walk about and nice. I, I spend time in a hermitage working on the computer and other things. <laughs> that was incredible. I, I also watched a documentary of your, your pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And one of the really amazing images that was in the documentary was it was an image of you looking out into the clouds and the clouds were coming in. It just reminded me of, uh, you know, our blessed Lord returning, riding on the clouds. Um, I was wondering if you could explain to us or, or maybe share with us uh, very briefly, I think we're, two we're, minutes. we have two minutes left. Uh, what were some of the insights that you experienced on the way uh, on this pilgrimage? So I, Jerusalem for me was a pilgrimage that I undertook uh, in this sabbatical mostly because with all the projects I've been doing, the catechetical work, aside from the parish, I was, yeah, I, I was really, you know, what, during prayer, you find yourself thinking about things you still have to do. And, and so I wanted to have a more reduced, uh, simple life to to focus on, on what is the core of the, of, of the priesthood. And it might have been a clever choice to go to the monastery where it's more tranquil to do this. But I had such great experiences as a young person to go on a pilgrimage from home without money, without a backpack, that I decided to sort of recapture that. And so for me, it was seeking solitude, was seeking encounter, not only with people, but with God in remote places. And so I think the most fascinating thing for me on the journey was really the time I spent in different deserts and, and being there in this absolute silence that is not empty, but it is filled with the presence of God uh, in this silence you really start to, to, to hear God, which is partially why I, I had this desire to, after the pilgrimage and after other assignments, to sort of go to a place like here in the mountains. We're coming up to a break. Uh, Father Johannes Maria Schwartz is our, is our guest. He is a priest, a hermit in the Italian Alps. And uh, it's a pretty fascinating thing. We have about a minute left. I want to, on the other side of the break, Father, I really want to ask you about more of that trip to Jerusalem, uh, what that was like to go so long out in the middle of nowhere. And then, of course, uh, you built your own chapel, and it's gorgeous and beautiful. And then, of course, why do you say the traditional Mass? Uh, that uh, also fascinates me. Uh, so uh, all of that coming up on the other side of this break with Father Johannes Maria Schwartz. Real quick, where's your YouTube channel, Father? Um, Don Yo Johannes is, is, is what you can type in for the international channel. We'll link to it. We'll link to it. <laughs> we'll link to it. It'll make your life easy. All right, don't go anywhere. Father Johannes Maria Schwartz on the other side of this break. More Catholic Drive Time coming your way. Do us a favor and share us with a friend. And don't forget to pick up your car raffle tickets. You might win a Mercedes. Nice German car there. At the end of February, go to grnonline.com for the details. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time, 
Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church would be okay if it weren't for all the rituals? Why do people complain about rituals in the church? They don't complain about the rituals that fill the rest of their daily lives. They shake hands, they sign their names, they put candles on birthday cakes, they give each other flowers, they put on fancy weddings and somber funerals. Those are all rituals. They are symbols. They are simple ways of representing complex ideas. G.K. Chesterton says, Ritual is a need of the human soul. In fact, it's a need of the human body, like exercise. Destroy your impressive ceremony, and all you get in return is unimpressive ceremony. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at chesterton.org. Speed to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Father Johannes Maria Schwartz is our guest, a hermit, a priest, and uh, a pilgrim with some epic pilgrims, too. I watched your, your documentary, Going to Jerusalem, yesterday, Father. I purchased that, by the way, uh, which I encourage everybody to go do. It's a great, uh, great thing to do. You can go to realhouse.org. And then look for to where God dwells. But you have a second one, right? The the your trip through the Alpines, right? I have a so the 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 film to Jerusalem is really a a, a meditational film. Um, I call it a Eucharistic meditation because the Eucharist is really God's presence with us. This this gift of God remaining with us, uh, the promise that He He gave us that He shall be with us until the end of of the world. This can be read in a Eucharistic sense, and inasmuch as Jerusalem is the place of God's dwelling, uh, and makes it a prime pe- uh, place of pilgrimage, I I found myself going there. But as a Christian, you know that there is not a temple that you visit that is out there, but you become a temple through the Holy Eucharist, and so. Um, the last the concluding images of this film are from a mass that I celebrated very close to the Syrian border, uh, at which yeah. at the time I was there in, the, in, in 2013-14 at, at the turn. So there was this horrible war and everything. But there is this this God's presence in the Eucharist, which is is, is so special. It, it was an iconic. You know, Rudy, you were talking about the the, the framing of him looking at the clouds. I mm-hmm. thought that was striking as well. Yeah. Very beautiful. Uh, that a lot of the it was a very silent, very slow burn meditative yes. yeah. documentary. Uh, but that's that that's those scenes of you saying Holy Mass out there. I thought were epic. I mean, just very beautiful, especially you know li- lifting, elevating our Lord in the in this uh, sacred species and just gazing upon Him. It was just, it was really awe-inspiring. Very, very, very beautiful. How many days did it take you? Go ahead, Father. Go ahead. Sorry, I I do have to say one thing. is Because I, of course, didn't have a cameraman or anything like this. So the the truth is, even of this beautiful scene, and I've sort of destroyed the illusion, but Don't ruin it for me, Father. Don't ruin it for me. (laughs) I, I I did record everything myself. 
and of course, I didn't interrupt mass to change the angles of the camera. I, I would never do this. <laughs> yeah. So I celebrated mass at this location, and it was so beautiful that I just decided oh. afterwards <laughs> to reenact certain scenes. <laughs> the magic of So I would not. There would be no sacrilege. A dry mass. No sacrilege. A dry mass. No sacrilege, but at least to give sort of an impression of. Uh, oh, thank you for clarifying. Yeah, that. that's excellent. You yeah. know, they so do in case they do. somebody's really, really thinking about it, how did he do this? So this, this seems like off and wrong. I'm glad you said I, Yeah, I they, they do that confident. for the, the Mass of the Ages film. They needed to get some of these yeah. scenes, and they were like, we can't like, get a camera yeah. right next to the altar during yeah. Mass. <laughs> no, but uh, Father, a couple things. Uh, one thing is, I would like you to uh, explain to everybody what a hermit is, because people are, respond and say, wait, 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 wait. Hermit on is, do, is online is uh, has a microphone is has computers has a cell phone. Well, what's up with that? And uh, that's not a real hermit, right? Exactly. And so, what exactly is a is a hermit? Well, technically speaking, I mean, I would I would concede every single point. I'm not a proper hermit in the sense of those who in the two hundreds, three hundreds went into the desert to lead an austere life of, of penance and everything. I'm a hermit only in the sense that the, the, the word Greek word is the old Greek word is eremos, which means de a desert or deserted place. And so I'm a hermit in a sense that I've withdrawn to a relatively deserted place, a remote place in the mountains. So I, of course, I do lead a life of prayer. My life is more structured in a monastic way than it was when I was a diocesan, in, in a diocesan service. I'm still a diocesan priest. In fact, canon law has a provision for diocesan hermits. And I've sort of, I've not formally, uh, you have to sort of uh, work out a rule with your bishop. And I've talked about how my life is going down with my bishop. Um, at, at this time, I still spend so much time away working on different projects. I hope that in the future, when life quiets down a bit, and I, I'm, I'm not, I don't have that many speaking engagements anymore, and, 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 and that, that have me travel in the winter through Germany when there's no coronavirus uh, lockdowns or anything like this. So when, when my life gets more quiet, and if I'm allowed to remain here, then I would probably mm. try to sort of lead a more proper hermit, eremitical life with uh, less of the technical things that I, I, I use now for my, my ministry. Mm. Um, so in a sense, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a hermit as a cheap imitation oh. in some outward aspects, uh, aspects of, of what a proper hermit actually is. Very interesting. Thank you uh, for explaining that. And, you know, one other question I had was the, you know, I was actually watching the movie Silence recently uh, with my oh, roommate. Yes. And, you know, it's just a, it's, it's a great film in terms of like cinematic style, but it's also a absolutely horrific film in terms of it seems to promote apostasy and and say that it's a good thing and it's a permissible thing to do. And you can just have your faith in the silence of your heart. But it also one of the themes that keep coming up throughout the movie, it was the idea that in the silence, the silence is deafening. Whereas when you were talking about silence, you were talking about the beautiful uh, nature of silence and how God speaks in the silence. Uh, could you speak about a little bit more about silence? Yeah, when you mentioned silence, I was immediately, yes, um, but I was thinking of a different film. I haven't seen uh, this film, Silence. Mm -hmm. I have the book uh, by the Japanese author who sort of uh, writes about the story of, of this uh, these Christians who were forced to abandon their faith and then 
be there would be the choice martyrdom or you would have to and, and others would be spared and, and and these dilemmas that were constructed by japanese rulers back then i i, I haven't actually seen it i was thinking out that, that you were re referencing uh into great silence which is a beautiful film about the katusian monastery mm, yes that one, uh, i've seen that one um, as well that that has been uh, out for a long time and won several awards and everything. I can really recommend it. it it's a beautiful meditation on the Cartesian life. Um, but for me, silence, of course, the silence in the film and, and, and that you reference is a silence both perceived that God does not intervene in the evil that, that happens in the world, that uh, you might be, silence is, is if if you think that something ought to be said, then silence can be menacing or can be silence can be culpable, even morally speaking. So you have all these these other kind of things. For me, silence was just an outward condition for being able to better listen to to the presence of God. So it was not um, it was not a deafening silence in that respect. It was really this this I mean the Negev desert where prophets have gone through the Holy Family on the way, flight through Egypt and. And you can hike uh, a, a hiking trail and you're out there and there's nobody else around. And it's just you wake up in the middle of the night at 2 a.m. And, and above you, the sky has exploded into billions of lights. And and you're just filled with such an incredible joy of God's presence that is so tangible. And I found myself after one of these nights just in the morning singing, um, as St. As Augustine says, that the the heart of the one who is in love is is urged to 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 put things in in song. Um, yeah, that, that was a very poor rendering of what he actually said, but I sort of translated <laughs> it on the fly. Uh, but uh, it's 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 this this the heart is so full that it, it just has to come out in song, a song of joy, and that that's what I I, I was allowed to experience several times uh, along my trip in the more remote places. Of course, on, on a pilgrimage like this, you have a lot of encounters with people. I walk, spend a lot of time in Muslim countries. I traversed uh, Turkey three times on the way there and back. So the whole pilgrimage was about 8,800 miles, took 15 months, and I crossed 26 countries, including That's incredible. countries like Turkey and or Iran. I, I wanted to traverse Georgia and Armenia to beautiful old ancient Christian countries. Mm -hmm. And the only way to get back from Armenia was through Iran. So I had different experiences um, in terms of, of the encounters you have with people, the conversations you have with people. And yeah, all of this adds to the richness of this simple leaving it all and, and going out to see what God has in store for you. There is so much beauty in, in all of the scenes that we see in this documentary. And I wish one day that I can, I can go and experience that as well. Um, but on the topic of beauty, you have a, a really incredible chapel you know, and and these these churches are always they're they're beautiful for God, right? So I, I was wondering if you could talk to us about your chapel and also your you know your connection with the Latin Mass. Have about three minutes. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, this is this is this is the chapel Mark II. Uh, it, when I when I moved in, I immediately started working on the chapel and working on the altarpiece. I, I have a, a background in art that doesn't show much anymore because in the last twenty years, I hard painted hardly anything i still have the old pigments and colors and everything so i i said i want to do it and then the first one was sort of it was a huge panel that was difficult to work on and i had to my house is very small so uh it was difficult to work on on any of this so browsing the internet looking for 
particular things on how I can split up the panels and still make it work. I found a feasible way to do it. And that gave me the, the courage then to, to work on the different panels. And, and I finished it only last year. Um, it is a meditative image again. There is um, Brother Klaus of the Flü, which is a hermit, the Swiss hermit, one of the last mystics of the uh, before the, the, the Enlightenment and uh, who lived in Switzerland. And he has this famous uh, Dominican image that, that has all these different aspects, the things that lead to God, the things that lead away from God, different images representing uh, different aspects like the, the cardinal virtues or something like this. So in this school of thought, I tried to do an image that has a seven day cycle with different things to contemplate, uh, things that lead to God, like the, the seven virtues the four cardinal virtues and the three theological virtues illustrated by saints of the of, of scripture. Then you have the things that lead away from, from, from uh, God, just the seven, seven capital vices. You have um, two saints that are relevant. And so, so the different panels have different kinds of um, motifs and painted in egg tempera over the course of a few weeks in Advent and, and Christmas. And um, yeah, finished last year. Wow. Well, we're out of time. I got to tell you, I'm sorry, Father. Yeah. Uh, what what a beautiful uh, journey and story. Thank you for sharing it with us. Uh, seeing seeing those images, even though they were not, they were just made for movies. Uh, they were very epic and beautiful. And your love for for the Holy Eucharist, for the traditional form of the Mass, was just awe inspiring to me personally. So, thank you, Father Johannes Maria Schwartz, for your time today and being on our thank program. You. And God bless all your listeners and. Um if they decide not to drive, they can always walk. <laughs> that's right. Praise be to God. All right, that's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Thank you all for joining us. We're very grateful that you are here. If you are at all able to join us in the second hour, we would love to have you. You can always watch us live on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. We'll link up to Father's YouTube channel and his documentaries as well. But otherwise, God love you and God bless Thank you. Thank you for joining us on your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. You could win a 2022 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250 and help drive home the word of God. The GRN is raffling off this night black compact SUV with the luxury and performance you expect from Mercedes-Benz to support the mission of Catholic Radio. This car could be yours for only $25. Buy four tickets, you get one free. The 2022 GRN car raffle ends February 21st, so get your tickets today at grnonline.com slash raffle. Does hope give light to your day? One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. At the end of the long list of good works in his rule, St. Benedict finally gives the most important one. Never lose hope in God's mercy. Hope means that we bring the future, where Jesus already reigns as risen Lord and Savior, into the trials, fears, and discouragements of everyday life. 
Hope allows us to give a gentle reply to an angry outburst, to remain calm in the face of disappointments, to continue doing what we know we are supposed to do, even when the outcome seems fruitless. Hope allows us to turn over the results of our efforts to God, who will bring them to the completion He wills. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com There are many places where the light of Jesus' resurrection does not shine. There is no place where it cannot shine in hope. Your Odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Friday, January January the 28th, 2022, and you have survived the week. Praise be to God, you are only hours away from your weekend. That's exciting. And we just wrapped up a great conversation with Father Johannes Maria Schwarz, and uh, he walked over 10,000 kilometers to Jerusalem and back through Russia, Iran, Turkey, and Georgia, and all these other places. Uh, He's walked across the Alps. He's He's walked everywhere. He's a hermit in the Italian Alps. It was a fascinating conversation, and we'll be posting that to our social media feeds, which you can find linked up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And if you're on the CDT Insider email list, I sent you uh, a great email last night. Thank you all for our insiders who are part of the uh, part of the team. We're very grateful to you. Uh, I sent you Claire Allerud's story. Very inspirational, very powerful. So, Find that in your inbox today. If you want to get that email and you're not on our list, well, let me encourage you. Go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and sign up for the CDT Insider email list. You'll get uh, an email right away confirming you're part of the list. And on Sunday, you will receive Claire Allerud's uh, inspirational story from a broken family to total love for God, how Our Lady saved her. Great Great uh, interview we did with Claire Allerud. So today on the program, we're going to have a good news story coming up in just a moment with Rudy Carlos. Of course, we have our we have our fear and trembling game show. Our last three chances to get in on the prize today is a Catholic Drive Time sponsor prize, which includes a beautiful little book produced by Rudy called The Seven Sorrows Devotion. You're going to get that along with an autographed CDT mug and some other goodies that I'll put into the prize pack. But if you want to win, you have to be our contestant at 15 past the hour. So be ready to dial that number. You can find the number linked up on our website as well. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Uh, good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Have you ever had to put out a fire? Uh, actually, funny story is I lit a fire in a trash can when I was about 10 years old. Yeah. And it almost caught the apartment on fire. Less than optimal. 
I was a pyromaniac. <laughs> every every young How boy you? is a pyromaniac. How I was about ten years old. You were ten. Yeah. Wow. No kidding. Was that scary? Yeah. Like I ran. I grabbed the, the trash can, down. or my sister grabbed the trash can, put it in the bathtub. Yeah. And you know, put it out. Also, one time I ate hot Cheetos and uh, orange juice, and that gave me heartburn. But I thought I was having a heart attack. So. <laughs> They uh, okay. came and the paramedics came and took me to the hospital. And on the way, I realized it was just heartburn and I felt fine. Praise be to God. My dad loved it, by the way. He he thought it was so funny. I've had oh, too many encounters with fire, unfortunately. I had a I had an encounter with fire last night. And uh, I'll tell more about that in the after show. But speaking of fires, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. Your dad's a firefighter. My dad is a firefighter. He's uh, Captain Fonseca. He's a senior captain with the Houston Fire Department. Uh, so lots of fires. We used to have a fire fest every year with the Houston Fire Department, and they would uh, do demonstrations on rappelling down buildings That's and fun. putting out fires, and they'd light fires and sh- demonstrate the different types of uh, fire extinguishers, which fire extinguisher used for which fire. It's a lot of fun. I love. I used to love all that stuff. I uh, still love it all, but they don't do... Firefest anymore due to really? funding issues. Oh, that's yeah, a bummer. it's a huge bummer. I, I, it was the coolest thing ever. You should totally bring your kids to it if your local fire station has that kind of thing. Or uh, but, how about yeah. how about knock on their door and ask for a tour sometime? Oh yeah, for sure. To ask them to take go find the fire station with the biggest tower and ask them to take you up in it. That would be cool, <laughs> and they would love. To, and they probably they'll probably do it for you. I'm not. Like, that's not even a joke. They probably will be like, oh yeah, sure, why not. Well, but yeah, praise be to God. Also, if you are in the El Paso area, this uh, tomorrow I'll be in El Paso, March for Life. So come say hi. Tomorrow, El Paso, March for Life. What time? I have no idea what time. Adrian's doing a tour. For a life tour. The, 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 the city tour of Texas. Tour. That's <laughs> a good question. I don't know. I don't know what time it is. Well, I just know I'm going to be there by like midnight tonight, and then it's sometime tomorrow. One way you can connect with Adrian is go to our website, and his email is on our webpage, and you can send him an email. Say, hey, I'm going to be in El Paso. I'd love to hook up with you. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and you'll find it linked up there. So I'll share with you uh, the, uh, the the fire encounter we had last night in our neighborhood where I had to play firefighter. It was, it was kind of fun. Uh, but also kind of kind of crazy. So that's coming up at the second half of this hour, which is what we call the after show, where you get to hang out with us on our live video feeds, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Odyssey, LinkedIn. I cross-post everywhere else. Uh, so you can find all those links on our website, but you get to drive that conversation. So whatever you want to talk about, that's what we talk about, and we always look forward to that. That's called the after show. Well, let's pray. Let's dive into our hour, and we have a lot to get to. It's going to be fun. Today's the day we give out prizes which is going to be great. So don't miss your chance to be our contestant at 15 past. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, Despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm Rudy Carlos. And now your good news stories for the day. That's right, you get another one today. BBC News reports message in a bottle from Scottish girl found in Norway after 25 years. A message in a bottle sent by a young girl in Aberdeenshire was found in Norway 25 years later. That's amazing. Joanna Buchan 
was eight when the bottle was dropped from a fishing boat off Peterhead in 1996 for a school project. That was a good year. It was around 800 miles away at Gasver in northern Norway. By Elena, it was found rather by Elena Anderson Haga, who tracked Joanna down on social media. The schoolgirl's letter reveals a love of sweets, but a dislike of the opposite sex. By the way, I hate boys, it ends. Neatly handwritten and addressed to the discoverer, Joanna also describes her pet dog, her school projects, and her love for collecting blue tack, which is apparently a type of an adhesive that you, you know, tack stuff onto. Elena, who's 37, told BBC Scotland she found the green bottle in summer of 2020 and could see immediately there was something inside. We opened it, and we had to be really careful because, as you can see by the picture of the letter, it probably had been it probably had been in the water for some time, but we managed to fold it out and were able to read that it's actually from Scotland. So that's kind of cool, she said. My son Elia was six when we found the bottle. He honestly didn't quite understand the fuss at first. Old-fashioned fun, I guess. And the Norwegian sent a Facebook message to Joanna, the former Peterhead schoolgirl, but did not spot it until Monday. Yeah, she didn't she didn't see the message until Monday, excuse me. Elena said my father also found a message in a bottle, but it was about he was about 5 and now he's 66 now, so that's quite some time ago in the same area. It's normal to have things washed up on shore, but not very often that you see something with this kind of significance. Joanna is now 34 and a doctor in New South Wales in Australia. She said she found the absolute gem of a message from Elena dating back to 2020 while scrolling through the message request section of Facebook Messenger. I vaguely remember doing a message in a bottle at Peterhead Central School when we sent off of Peterhead in 1996, she added. It was like, that's my handwriting, she said, and the letter included details about her rather big house and her love of teddy bears. When I read it, I just died laughing, she said. There's some really lovely lines in there, like what was important to me at the time. I wish I could tell my teachers of the time whose idea it would have been to send this off. It's clearly done its time in the North Sea. And the Epic Times reports marine archaeologists pull up treasure from two ancient shipwrecks containing hundreds of 1,800-year-old silver coins. Gosh, I wish that were me. That sounds incredible. And that's good news. God love you. The saint of the day is one of my favorite saints, and he gets two feast days. Today is one of them, and his other one is on March 7th. St. Thomas Aquinas, by universal consent, Thomas Aquinas is the preeminent spokesman of the Catholic tradition of reason and of divine revelation. He is one of the great teachers of the medieval Catholic Church, honored with the titles of Doctor of the Church, an Angelic Doctor, and Common Doctor, and Universal Doctor. At five, he was given to the Benedictine Monastery at Monte Cassino in his parents' hope that he would choose that way of life and eventually become an abbot, a very prestigious position. In 1239, he was sent to Naples to complete his studies. It was there that he was first attracted to Aristotelian philosophy. By 1243, Thomas abandoned his family's plans for him and joined the Dominicans, much to his mother's dismay. On her order, Thomas was captured by his brothers and kept at home for over a year where they sent a prostitute to tempt him. Driving her away, the angels came and girded him with angelic purity, and he would never again be tempted against the sin of the flesh. Once free, he went to Paris and then to Cologne, where he finished his studies with Albert the Great, another great Dominican. He held two professorships at Paris and lived at the court of Pope Urban IV, 
directed the Dominican schools at Rome and Viterbo, combated adversaries of the Mendicates as well as the Averroists, and argued with some Franciscans about Aristotelianism. His greatest contribution to the Catholic Church is his writings, the unity, harmony, and continuity of faith and reason of revealed and natural human knowledge pervaded his writings. One might expect Thomas as a man of the gospel to be an ardent defender of revealed truth, but he was broad enough, deep enough to see the whole natural order as coming from God the Creator, and to see reason as a divine gift to be highly cherished. The Summa Theologiae, his last and unfortunately uncompleted work, deals with the whole of Catholic theology. He stopped work after celebrating Mass on December 6, 1273. When asked why he stopped writing, he replied, I cannot go on. All that I have seen written seems to me to as straw compared to what I have seen and what has been revealed to me. He died March 7, 1274. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 23, verses 8 through 12. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brethren. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called masters, for you have one master, the Christ. He who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Jerome said, All men may be called brethren in affection, which is of two kinds, general and particular. Particular, by which all Christians are brethren. General, by which all, being born of one father, are bound together by like tie of kindred. Close quote, St. Jerome, pray for us. But Hadock's commentary today on verse 8, I thought was very, very good, because uh, it talks about the unity of the church. It says this, Quote, one is your master or teacher who is the Christ, and under him one vicar, the successor of St. Peter, with whom all Catholic teachers are one, because they all teach one and the same doctrine in every part of the Christian world, whereas in the, multiplici in the multiplicity of modern sects, which are every day dividing and subdividing into fresh sects, no two leaders can be found teaching in all points exactly the same tenets, as each is not only allowed but except, expected to follow his own private spirit and to build his creed upon his own interpretation of sacred scripture. Close quote. Haydock, I find that utterly fascinating and very poignant for our times, where we are more divided now than ever, and we are teaching the whims of the, whatever the wind blows in modern world. Let us hold fast to the one teacher, the one father, the one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, real quickly, Cornelius Lopetti said, Glory follows them that flee from it and flees from those who pursue it. God will bring down insolent pride from its lofty heights and will raise up humility to glory. And he goes on and gives this great example from blessed, or, or at the time blessed, but now St. Peter Damien. He says, There was, he says, a certain bold and warlike clergyman who became great by means of his pride in his arms, and he had in consequence a quarrel about certain estates with another powerful man, and he determined to decide by the fortune of war, and the troops of both were drawn up in a battle array. 
The clergyman before the battle went into church and heard mass. It chanced that the words of this gospel were read. He then that exalted himself shall be abased. When he heard them, he said insolently or rather blasphemously, these words are falsified in me for I had humbled myself. I should have never become as great as I am. By and by in the heat of battle, his horse being very thirsty ran contrary to his wish to some water that was near. He struck his horse with his shield in order to cause it to return into the battle. When behold, an enemy's sword transfixed that blaspheming mouth of his like a thunderbolt and slew him humbling his pride and casting him down to the ground, showing that the words of Christ are indeed true. Cornelius Lapide, uh, he's in my head can and pray for us. <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, all right. Praise be to God. Cornelius Lapide is amazing. All right. It's time to go to break. Time to play our game, Fear and Trembling. It's coming up next. We have three opportunities to get you in the prize drawing, which we give out today. So call now, 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That's 877 757 9424. Call right now. Be our contestant. You could win. You don't need to know the answers to win. It's a lot of fun. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10-11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 115 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, 
Joe McClain. 877-757-9424 is that phone number. Call now. Phone lines are open. Uh, they were down again a minute ago. I'm sorry. We're, we're working on resolving all of that. But uh, the phone number is 877-757-9424. If you've never played, what an opportunity. If you call now, you'll get to be our contestant at 877-757-9424. If you tried to call a minute ago and it didn't work out, call back real quick. 877-757-9424. Or maybe perhaps it's been a while since you played like Anne Marie did yesterday. Well, call back. You get another opportunity here. 877-757-9424. One more time. 877-757-9424 is the phone number. Now, here's the deal. Uh, we do have some secret and hidden agendas involved in this game, and I don't like to tell anybody what they are. So you have to promise me you're not going to share these, and then I'll tell you. Uh, so here's the deal. Number one, we like to teach the faith. We look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something new about the Catholic faith you did not know before. Praise be to God. And then we like to have a laugh, and our contestants tend to be a lot of fun. The great sports, they laugh with us. We enjoy that the most. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which makes it a winner for everybody involved. But here's the kicker. I have three Catholic trivia questions. I do not ask the caller the questions, so they don't need to know answers. They could get all three wrong, but still win. And that's because instead of asking them, I ask Adrian, I ask Rudy, one of which will be correct and the other will be incorrect. And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize, which today is that day we give it out. Rudy, what could they win? Our sponsor of our game show this week is us. Catholic Yay, Drive us. Time. <laughs> In case you missed it at the beginning of the show, uh, we're sponsoring this week's prize pack. And this week you have an opportunity to win a copy of the Seven Sorrows Devotion. It's a small prayer book that I compiled based on the prayers of the Via Matris or the Way of the Mother. It's a counterpoint to the Way of the Cross, and this devotion follows the Seven Sorrows of our Blessed Mother. Also including, uh, included in this week's prize pack are some other CDT goodies and, and a autographed CDT mug, so you can take a sip from your trusty mug as you meditate on the sorrows of Mary. Now, the Blessed Virgin Mary grants seven graces to the souls who honor her daily by saying seven Hail Marys and meditating on her tears and sorrows. The devotion was given to us by our Blessed Mother through St. Bridget of Sweden. It's beautiful, and we're looking forward to giving it away. Yep. Each meditation is accompanied by a beautiful image to help facil facilitate meditation on the particular sorrow. All right. So that's the prize pack. It's wonderful. We're looking forward to that. But let's go to the phones. Uh, we're very grateful to everybody who called in this morning. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, JP. Good morning, sir. Where are you calling from? Calling from Comfort, Texas. Comfort, Texas. Now, where is Comfort, Texas? It's actually about, uh, about 30, 45 minutes um, west of San Antonio. 35. So that what you're talking deep west Texas at that point. Yes, sir country. <laughs> Praise be to God. I love that part of Texas. I've been there many, many times. I was there not a couple weeks ago. Uh, praise God. We're glad you're on the on the phone with us this morning, JP. Now, where do you go to church? Uh, Notre Dame Catholic Church in Kerrville, Texas. Kerrville. How one of you only like eight hours from El Paso. <laughs> <laughs> not far. You could totally hook up with Adrian tomorrow. Uh, now, JP, is this your first time being a part of the game show? Uh, yes, sir. I listen to you guys this morning on the way to work. Well, how uh, wonderful. Well, thanks for being a part of the show, JP. We're very grateful. Uh, just so you know, just by way of uh, housekeeping here, I am on your side, and <clears throat> we are going to... <clears throat> we're go oh, what was that? I am uh. on your side, JP. <clears throat> And JP, you and I are besties, and we have to navigate the tricky waters <laughs> of Rudy and Adrian. Are you ready, JP? I'm 
ready, sir. All right, let's do this. Uh, we will start with Rudy, as is our custom. Rudy, are you ready? Ha. Huh. Are you sure? Da. <laughs> so, were those like foreign languages? I didn't even know what that meant. See. Okay, here we go. Rudy, <laughs> can you tell me, can you translate Ecclesia into English? Yes, Speaking I can. Speaking of languages. Yes, I can. I can. I can do that. Mm -hmm. uh, it, the translation is congregation. Congregation. Yes, sir. Ecclesia equals congregation. Yep. Huh. Let's, uh, let's just get a second opinion, JP. Let's just make sure of this. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me, or rather, can you translate for me Ecclesia into English? Considering I am a world champion Latin translator, for uh -huh. all the people who come into America that need translations, they call I do, you. They call me. Do you have one of those yeah. big, big uh, wrestling belt things? Yeah. When St. Thomas came to visit our school, he he needed a translator, and I and I translated. For you him. were the guy. Yeah. What does it mean? Ecclesia means church, or ecclesia means church. Church. Ecclesia equals church, in your opinion. That's what I'm saying. Well, JP, here is the deal. Uh, Adrian seems to think it means church, whereas Rudy seems to think it means congregation. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? JP, what say you? I think I'm going to go with uh, with Rudy. Are you sure? <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, JP. But the correct answer is, is church. So ecclesia equals church. Now we know, right? Praise God. We learned something new. But don't worry. Uh, this next one, I we got you here. You're getting in the yeah, car. Nah, it could still be God's will for you. Uh, let's just see what we can. What? What'd you say? No, this one's super, super easy. Super easy. Well, let's try it. Adrian. That's me. What burns next to the tabernacle when the blessed sacrament is present? So there's something that burns. Speaking of fire. When, when, when the Lord is in the tabernacle, uh -huh. we see something burning next to it. Mm. What is that? Well, one, my, my heart is burning within me, but uh, the, <laughs> well played, the sanctuary sir. lamp. The yep. sanctuary usually lamp. Usually red, but okay. it does not have okay. to be red, okay. but usually red. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't? No. I learned something new today. Uh -huh. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, Rudy, can you tell me what burns next to the tabernacle when the Blessed Sacrament is present? Yes. Uh, what burns? Heretics. <laughs> You come close to the sanctuary lamp or the tabernacle, excuse me. They just they self combust. Just combust. <laughs> yep. Some, they start smoking outside the narthex, and as they get closer, <laughs> things heat up. Or yeah, huh? It's like like a moth, you know. <laughs> okay. Wow. Well, JP, <laughs> tough choices, I suppose. Uh, but here is the deal: what burns next to the tabernacle when the blessed sacrament is present? Rudy seems to think it's heretics. Versus Adrian says it's this sanctuary lamp, although it doesn't have to be red, it could be. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? JP, what let's say you? Uh, let's shoot for Adrian. Shoot for Adrian. That's a that's a bold guess right there. Survey says. You yeah. got it. You got it. I did not know they didn't have to be red. Technically speaking, it is a tradition that it's red, but it's not required. So I've seen churches that have actually had blue sanctuary lamps. Really? But, yeah. Huh. And I've also seen churches that have no color. Uh, but it's no no church document specifies a color. I've seen it's just that tradition. too, but I really honestly thought they were supposed to be red. Yeah, they're not required. Huh. Learned something new today. Well, I mean, JP, that was pretty easy, right? I mean, you know, every time you go into the church, you look for the sanctuary lamp so you know where the tabernacle is. Yes, sir. All right. Praise yeah. God. All right. Let's see if we can't double your chances today, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you, JP. I think this one is the hardest one of all. It is the hardest question <laughs> we've ever had. Yeah, 
Well, there you go, folks. We agree on something. Here we go. Third question. Back to Rudy. On what day are candles blessed? That is going to be Candlemas. Candlemas. Yes. Candlemas. And that's next week, by the way. Is it? Yeah. Super fast. Uh, let's see. Adrian, can you tell me on yes. what day are candles blessed? Oh, this is... I told y'all this is going to be the hardest question. Uh, the What day are candles blessed? Rudy says Candlemas. I'm going to say Watermas. I'm looking... Wa- Watermas? Mm-hmm. Watermas. Yep. That's your answer. That's what I said. Water. Mm-hmm. Water. Water burger. Like, yeah. Ooh, See? yum. Texans. They that love water with everything, apparently. Water and candles. Water and burgers. All right, here's the deal, JP. Uh, Adrian seems to think it's called Watermas, whereas Rudy says it's called Candlemas, which is coming up next week, apparently. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Who's obvious? JP, what say you? No, that's, uh, we're calling Rudy on this one. <laughs> you have no choice, do you? I mean... <laughs> Congratulations. I don't know how you got that one. <laughs> that was easily, Water-mas. easily the hardest question we've ever had. The tricky part of Candlemas, though, JP, is uh, unfortunately it's not in the uh, the New Right calendar or the Nova Sordo calendar, rather. Uh, so unless your diocese is offering one, you may have to find a traditional Latin Mass someplace to go to one. But it is coming up next week, so what an opportunity. Second. Praise be to God. We need to pull a winner out of the cup, JP. Let me just tell you, congratulations, you're in for two. I can't guarantee it's God's will that you're going to be pulled out of that cup, but it's a good chance it's, it's possible. All right. So let's just see how this I'm goes shuffling. together. I'm shuffling these. Every day I'm shuffling. Boop, 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 boop. Oh, JP. Whoa. You got it, brother. Congratulations. JP. Wow. Congratulations, Congrats. JP. You won. Congrats. Uh, thanks for playing our game today. Having a good laugh with us. Have a good time in Kerrville, beautiful part of Texas, and we're going to put you on hold so we get your information, so we send you the gift. But uh, have a great weekend, JP, and thank you again. God bless you guys. God bless you too. Praise be to God. That is going to do it for our radio show this week. Thank you all for joining us. We had some great conversations. Do us a favor. Check out the podcast, our videos linked up on our YouTube channel, all of that. Jump on our email list. Get on our text list. Connect to us. We'd be grateful to have you. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. And don't forget to get your car raffle tickets for that Mercedes. You could win, and we get to keep Catholic Radio alive. God love you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Thomas Aquinas, Doctor of the Church. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. 
All people that on earth do dwell, sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. Him serve with mirth, his praise forth tell. Come we before him and rejoice. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. You were sent to heal the contrite of heart, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. You came to call sinners, Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. You are seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who made St. Thomas Aquinas outstanding in his zeal for holiness and his study of sacred doctrine, grant us, we pray, that we may understand what he taught and imitate what he accomplished. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the second book of Samuel. At the turn of the year, when kings go out on campaign, David sent out Joab along with his officers and the army of Israel and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. David, however, remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David rose from his siesta and strolled about on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing, who was very beautiful. David had inquiries made about the woman and was told, she is Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam, the wife of Joab's armor-bearer Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers and took her. When she came to him, he had relations with her. She then returned to her house. But the woman had conceived and sent the information to David, I am with child. David therefore sent a message, message to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent Uriah to David. When he came, David questioned him about Joab, the soldiers, and how the war was going. And Uriah answered that all was well. David then said to Uriah, Go down to your house and bathe your feet. Uriah left the palace, and a portion was sent out after him from the king's table. But Uriah slept at the entrance of the royal palace with the other officers of his lord, and did not go down to his own house. David was told that Uriah had not gone home. On the following day, David summoned him, and he ate and drank with David, who made him drunk. But in the evening Uriah went out to sleep on his bed among his lord's servants and did not go down to his home. The next morning David wrote a letter to Joab, which he sent by Uriah. In it he directed, Place Uriah up front, where the fighting is fierce, 
then pull back and leave him to be struck down dead. So while Joab was besieging the city, he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew the defenders were strong. When the men of the city made a sortie against Joab, some officers of David's army fell, and among them Uriah the Hittite died. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. Be merciful, Be merciful o, o Lord, for we have sinned. Have mercy on me, O God, in your goodness. In the greatness of your compassion, wipe out my offense. Thoroughly wash me from my guilt, and of my sin cleanse me. Be, Be merciful, merciful, O Lord, for, for we have sinned. For I acknowledge my offense, and my sin is before me always. Against you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. Be merciful, Be merciful O Lord, for we have sinned. I have done such evil in your sight that you are just in your sentence, blameless when you, when you condemn. True, I was born guilty, a sinner, even as my mother conceived me. Be merciful, Be merciful O Lord, for we have sinned. Let me hear the sounds of joy and gladness. The bones you have crushed shall rejoice. Turn away your face from my sins and blot out all my guilt. Be merciful, Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Blessed are you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You have revealed to little ones the mysteries of the kingdom. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the crowds, This is how it is with the kingdom of God. It is as if a man were to scatter seed on the land and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He knows not how. Of its own accord, the land yields fruit, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, he wheels the sickle at once, for the harvest has come. He said, To what shall we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable can we use for it? It is like a mustard seed that when it is sown in the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. But once it is sown, it springs up and becomes the largest of plants and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the sky can dwell in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to understand it. Without parables, he did not speak to them, but to his own disciples, he explained everything in private. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let us listen to an explanation by St. Thomas Aquinas on this very gospel today on 
the feast day of St. Thomas Aquinas. And in essence, St. Thomas Aquinas says that Jesus shows the excellence of the doctrine of the gospel before all other doctrines in these parables. Jesus shows the excellence of the doctrine of the gospel before all other doctrines. I urge you all to pray with sacred scripture and there the Holy Spirit sent by the Father and Jesus will explain everything to you in private. Remember, Jesus explained to, to his disciples everything in private. So if you want to know the deeper meaning of the Word of God, which is the good seed that we're supposed to let God nourish and we are to actually cultivate, as opposed to that bad seed which David let into his heart and it started to grow and David didn't cut it off and it started to grow and get worse and worse and worse. It went from, first of all, just being lazy and not doing his duty, going out as kings go out uh, to fight the enemies. Uh, then David was taking a siesta and then he, he was bored. He's walking around and he sees a, a beautiful woman and he doesn't turn away from the temptation. Instead, he makes inquiries and lets the seed start to grow. And then he calls her and it goes on. And sadly, David, a man after God's own heart, allowed his heart to be corrupted. He took Bathsheba, committed adultery, and even committed murder. All of us can fall. We are subject to the consequence of original sin, concupiscence, and our actual sin. We need to be attentive and alert and let the good seed in our hearts. Nurture it, cultivate it, and that will happen by praying with the Word of God and by going to confession regularly. Now, I would like to draw some uh, lessons from St. Thomas Aquinas' life himself. When he was a young boy, very young, he asked this question, what is God? And he let that drive his whole life. His whole life was a search for God. What is God? What's that question in your life, deep in your heart, that you're searching for? And Thomas Aquinas searched. He studied under the Benedictines at Monte Cassino. Uh, but when he informed his family he wanted to become a Dominican preacher, they were resistant. For two years, they tried to change his mind. In fact, uh, his brother or brothers even took him hostage in their own castle, locked him up in a room, and one brother hired a prostitute to try to seduce him. Thomas went to the fire and took the poker out of the fire and just said, get away from me to this prostitute, get away from me to this naked woman. That's how we have to fight temptation. And he made a sign of the cross on the wall and knelt, and God gave him the gift of perpetual chastity. We must fight temptation. You know, the greatest thing I can say about St. Thomas Aquinas is that he's a saint. Oh, he was gifted intellectually, writing the Summa Theologiae, uh, the Summa Contra Gentiles, 
uh, Eucharistic hymns such as O Salutaris, Tantum Ergo, Pane Lingua. Sometimes he would have five secretaries at once, and he would be dictating different books at different times. He was so gifted intellectually. But the greatest thing I can say about him is he's a saint. And what does that mean? He was as a child. He was as a child. He would light votive candles. He would carry a relic. He had great devotions. He was simple. He trusted in the Lord. That's the way to holiness, my brothers and sisters. Bottom line, be Catholics. I love the story of when one, one morning the D Dominican brothers came into the chapel where Thomas had been all night. He was, he was imploring the Lord for an answer to one of the questions he was going to address in the Summa Theologiae. And they came into the chapel and his head was stuck in the tabernacle. Now, I'm not urging you to have your head stuck in the tabernacle, but you need to go to Jesus in Eucharistic adoration and ask him, Lord, what does this mean? How am I supposed to do your will? How, am I, how can I grow in love and grace? And, and, and there's so much I can say about Thomas. Near the end of his life, the Lord appeared to Thomas and said to him, Thomas, you have written well of me. What do you want? Thomas said, I want you. I hope that's the answer you have if Jesus asks you the question, what do you want? I want you. Keep a fixed loving gaze on the Lord. That's the way to holiness. And in fact, St. Thomas Aquinas, when asked by his sister how to become a saint, he said in Latin, vele, which means will it. It's in the will. Love is in the will. Charity is in the will. Let's seek to have a union of wills with God. Let's strive to be saints and desire Jesus. May Mary help you become the saints you're created to be. We now stand to place our prayers and petitions before the throne of the Most Holy Trinity with faith and confidence as we place in the hands of Mary, our mother, to present to God on our behalf that the leaders of the church may strive for holiness of life. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For civic and government leaders, that they may listen to the word of God and put it into practice. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the sick and the suffering and the relief and the release of the holy souls in purgatory, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for the whole world to love the Eucharistic Lord and to have a deep relationship with the Blessed Virgin Mary who will help us understand the ways of the Lord, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ, the Word of God incarnate. Anoint us in the Holy Spirit to nurture this Word. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, whose love in humble service bore the weight of human need, who did on the cross forsaken show us mercy's perfect deed. We, your servants, bring the worship, not of voice alone, but heart consecrating to your purpose every gift which you impart. As we worship, grant us vision 
Till your love's revealing light, Till the height and depth and greatness Dawns upon our human sight, Making known the needs and burdens Your compassion bids us bear, Stirring us to faithful service, your abundant life to share. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. May the sacrifice which we gladly present on the feast day of blessed Thomas Aquinas be pleasing to you, O God, for taught by him we too give ourselves entirely to you in praise through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For as on the festival of St. Thomas Aquinas, you bid your church rejoice. So too you strengthen her by the example of his holy life, teach her by his words of preaching, and keep her safe in answer to his prayers. And so with the company of angels and saints, we sing the hymn of your praise, as without end we acclaim, Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni sunt celi et terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread, and giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. Mysterium Fidei, Mortem Tuam, Annunciamus Domine, Et Tuam Resurrectionem Confitemur, Donec Venias. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, 
giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life, may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. And graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, Lord I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. an act of spiritual communion by Jesus. I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, 
and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Adoro te devote, latens deitas, que subis figuris vere latitas, tibi secor meum totum subjicit, quia te contemplans totum deficit. Visus tactus gustus in te falitur, sed auditus solo tuto creditur. Credo quid quid dei filius, nil hoc verbo veritatis verius. In cruce la tebat sola deitas, ad iglatet simulet humanitas. Ambo tamen credens atque confitens, peto quod petivit latro penitens. Plaga sicutomas non in tuehor, Deum tamen meum te confiteor. Fac me tibi semper magis credere. In te spem habere te deligere. O memoriale mortis domini, panis vivus vitam prestans omini, presta me menti de te vivere, Et te semper dulce sapere. Amen. Let us pray. Through Christ the teacher, O Lord, instruct those you feed with Christ the living bread, that on the feast day of blessed Thomas Aquinas they may learn your truth and express it in works of charity through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Benedicat vos omnipotens Deus Pater et Filius et Spiritus Sanctus. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices, who wondrous things hath done, in whom his world rejoices, who from our mother's arms hath blessed us on our way with countless gifts.
the prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. is a 